Grab a Bible, if you would, and make your way to the book of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It's a special message this morning. We finished up our study in 1 John last week, and before we start a new series, I thought it'd be just great to kind of take a moment to just share one of the things that's been on my heart. So I'm taking you here this morning in just a special message kind of way, just as an FYI, but wanting you to see it. So Ephesians 2, verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in front of you. You can grab hold of one of those, page number on the screen, electronic device, works too. Whatever it works, have the Bible in front of you. That's true. And here in the sanctuary, online, in the overflow, all the invitation to be in the Word of God and that God's Word would be just made clear to you this morning. That is our aim. Let's ask Him for it. And I'll lead in prayer, but I'm hoping you would ask as well, that you would just simply ask that God would speak to you this morning through His Word, that He would help you to hear that which He would have for you. Father, I do just begin us in prayer, and I ask for me, but I'm asking for each of us. Lord, you see us. You know us right here, right now. We are known to you individually, personally. It is into that that I'm asking right now, that you would take your word and you would help us to understand what it is that you have for us. That you would take your word and both magnify it in our hearts, but speak it to us, plant it deeply in us so that what you have we would hear and respond to. For each of us, I'm asking for that right now and asking it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Christian, God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Your life exists in a way that you are have something that God has for your life to be involved in, to be unpacked in, to see that happen. It is one of the incredible realities that's held out to us in Scripture. And yet, one of the hard things at times in the Christian's life is figuring out, okay, what is that? What is it God has for me? What's my purpose, if you will? How does that work? How do I fit in uh, to God's plan? discovering that is such an incredible, worthy pursuit. And one of the verses that I love that unpacks that for us is this one here. So why don't you notice it with me in Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. Hey, read it one more time. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Now, I want you to see that there in your Bible, and I want you to know that because I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. I'm going to put that verse now up on the screen. Now, it's actually a very intentional plan that I don't normally do that, FYI, if you never figured that out. I always put cross-references up there, but I hardly ever put the passage that we're looking at up there because I want you to open up your Bibles. I want you to follow along. I want you to see it in what's in front of you. Nevertheless, this morning, because of the way I kind of want to unpack this verse, I'm going to put it up on the screen, but you're still invited to see it uh, there in your Bible and follow along and long that God would speak to us this morning. He tells us here in this verse so many things, but one of the key aspects is he tells us that in Christ, we've been created that God has done something. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you know him, he has created you. And one of the things that that unpacks for us is that now you're made for good works. 
You're made for these. You're made so that that now could be something that your life gets to participate in in an incredible way. And that's exactly what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about what that looks like. We want to talk about how we get there. But before we do that, we need to back up a couple verses because if we don't do this, it's very possible that we'll get it wrong. So going back to verses 8 and 9, he gives it to us this way. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Hey, it's an incredible reality. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you know him, he says, here's the deal. It's grace. It is God's amazing grace that happened because you believed. You didn't do it. You didn't earn it. It wasn't your works. It was a gift of God. So that there's no way that we could ever lean into that and boast into that incredibly real and true. True for every follower of Jesus this morning. Good for us to have that. Hold that and now hold those two verses or two sections together, those three verses together. So we have this incredible place that he's unpacking for us what this looks like, and I want to draw your attention to a key understanding. So he tells us, for by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not of works. It is not of works. That's true. But then he goes on to say, we are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Wow. I just want to tell you, there's a mountain of theology. If you can get those two prepositions right, if you can understand the difference between being saved of works and being saved for works, it is incredibly powerful. Here's the problem. I'm probably talking to somebody here this morning. Maybe you're here in this room. Maybe you're watching online. And somehow you believe that you're going to make it to heaven based on your works. You really do. I mean, that is probably one of the most modern lies that works itself in our culture where people would come and say, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm hoping that my good works outweigh my bad. You know, as I stand before God, I'll be able to say, look at all I did and look at all I didn't do. And, you know, hopefully somehow I'll make it into heaven. If that is your philosophy, can I speak it very clearly to you? That is not going to work out for you. That is not going to work. Nobody gets to heaven that way. In fact, the Bible tells us all of our works outside of Christ are tainted by our sin. They are like filthy rags. So that honestly, we have nothing that we get to say, hey, this is good. So right now, if you're looking to get to heaven on the basis of what you're doing, whether it's being nice or going to church or reading your Bible or whatever it is that you think you're earning God's favor on, you're not doing it. That, that nobody gets saved that way. And if that's you this morning, you need to surrender to a life in Christ. You need grace. You need faith in God so that it's this gift that he would work into you. And if that's where you are, we long that today you would surrender your life to Jesus. And we're praying for you even now. Now, the reality is for some of you, you may have that. You may have believed upon Jesus and been saved, but it's still a weird space that sometimes Christians, even though this is true, they get works and what that looks like in our life still out of sorts, somehow still thinking that maybe, you know, the good things that we do or are called to do, that we maintain our Christian life or we're still earning some kind of favor with God, we still seem to live that way, which is just never that way. Instead, catch how it's put out to us. We're not saved of works. We're saved for them. They don't earn us anything. It's a gift of God that we get to do them. 
that now these are things that no longer are they meant to be, God, I'm doing this to earn. It's like God says, I want to give it to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you, I'm going to create you so that now you could do something you could never have done on your own, that you could be a part of that so that now the way that that works out into our life is no longer trying to earn God's favor. As a matter of fact, if we're doing good works right, we're enjoying his favor. We're just seeking to live out what it is to be his and seeking to walk in, in, in the blessings of what he has. And the Bible calls us to that. I like it in the book of Titus. He tells us that we're meant to be zealous for that, zealous for good works, zealous to be a part of it, but again, not earning, enjoying. Well, that's a key. Again, if you have that wrong, may God rescue you even now, because if you don't get that right, you'll never get what he's unpacking for us next. So that's where he's telling us. He's telling us we have this incredible gift of salvation, but now because we are his, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Let's just wrap our minds around that phrase for a moment. That little part of this whole thing that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. A few things that you want to just make sure you're paying attention to in the midst of this. There is a purpose for every single Christian. There is a purpose, there is a, an intention that God has for every Christian because we're made for it. We are created for good works. There is an impossibility to say that any Christian is here just as, you know, dressing on the, on the outside. You know, I'm kind of you know, a spectator. That's kind of what I am. I'm not really ever, God has no plan for my life. I have nothing that he wants me to be involved in eternally. That's impossible. Because God has made us in Christ Jesus for good works. He has created us for that. Add to that, we probably need to make sure we wrap our mind around that good works are certainly eternal works. When the Bible talks about good works, it's not just talking about, hey, do something nice or do something that, you know, is, you know, not mean but kind. No, when it uses these word good works, it speaks of those things that are good on, on, on the basis of God, good eternally, those things that will touch eternity, those things which will last forever, those things which, you know, when Jesus talked about it uh, in John 15, he says, if we would abide in him, you know, that we would be able to good, bear good fruit, and that fruit would remain, that it would be that which is, you know, not just, you know, temporary, but stuff that is touching all eternity. Now, that's an incredible reality, and yet that's exactly what God has done. He has done this, that he has created that for us when we were saved. Make sure you catch even the timing of that. We're not here talking about just our natural talents, though don't get me wrong. You are God's creation, and even in the midst of this, he can use your talents and indeed wants to. He can take things that you have always had, that you had since you were born or you were you know, barely beginning to learn skill sets and stuff. There's things that God would use in the midst of that. But this, what he's talking about here, happened the moment you got saved, that you were created, that new creation, that being born again. And when that happened, things happened inside of you that changed, transformed. And one of those has made it possible for you to be a part of this. Now, there's a lot of things that that probably includes, but certainly one of them it includes is what the Bible talks about as spiritual gifts, things that God gave us to be able to serve and be a part of the things he has in store for us. In 1 Peter, I like the simplicity with which uh, God unpacks it there for us. He says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Really, really good. Really, really good. 
Catch it. As each one. In fact, it's really intensive in the Greek language. It would have the idea of each and every one. There is no Christian who's a Christian who God has not given this thing, where he's not given a gift, a gift of God, a gift that would be a part of that. And that happened when we were saved. This is, again, not our talents. This is not our personality. This is a manifestation of God. This is God that we become good stewards of the manifold grace of God so that his gifts are actually what he would do in us, what he would work through our lives, where it would become something supernatural, dynamic, real, and that's exciting. I mean, that's really, really exciting that every Christian has this. Now, I just don't know if you believe that. I mean, honestly, statistics tell us that not every Christian even believes that this is true. Now, the good thing is that God is able to work in your life whether you believe it or not, and you have it, and and maybe it's already at work in your life where you don't see it, but the Bible calls us to see it. It calls us to say, okay, this is what God has worked into me, where God would be, Paul would say say to, you know, Timothy, hey, pour yourself into your gift. Stir up that gift that God has given you. Make sure that you're investing and seeking to do that. And so all of us have that, and that flows into what we get to do. So we're created for this. There's an incredible space where we are made for this, where he is seeking to work this, and he's designed us for it. I've already said it, but let me just be very clear. This is 100% certain. Nothing in what I've just told you is just marked with potential. There's not, this is true because it's based on God. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is true. Whether you believe it, recognize it, or are doing it or not, He has made you for it. He has created you in Christ Jesus for good works, that He has things that He has for you to be a part of, to touch eternity, and in His faithfulness, he has that. Just believing that would be an incredible beginning. Just to be one that says, okay, I believe it. <laughs> I believe that I'm not an extra on the set. I believe that God you know, has things for me to be involved in the kingdom of God. Just believing that would be a step forward for some, and so we need to begin there. Now, before we leave that, we do need to also be really, really clear about this, that as we're saying all of this, this is true for Christians, but it is not true if you're not a follower of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we are so glad to have you here. We, 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 we just want to communicate love to you and, and the grace of God to you, but also really clear honesty. Your situation is horrible. It is horrible now. It is horrible for eternity. But in this reality, it is incredibly so. Solomon writes this. In fact, it becomes really the theme of his book that's found in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes. And he evaluates life under the sun said in one kind of simple way, take God out of the picture, what is life? Take God out of the picture, what is life? And he simply says, vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Vanity has the idea of emptiness, pointlessness, emptiness of of no value. And he looks and says, you take God out of the picture, and it is empty. It is emptiness of emptiness. It is emptiness where there's no point to it, that there's no satisfaction. He goes through and he evaluates life, whether it be in success or whether it be in pleasure or whether it be in money. And he says, take God out of the picture and it's pointless. There's no value. It doesn't satisfy because what you have isn't eternal. It does go away and everything in it is emptiness. Now, I just 
want to say it clearly. That's true. And if you're here this morning outside of Christ, that's actually where you are. And it's a horrendous reality. And I point this out to you because maybe it's this that God is using in your life. I can honestly tell you, this was really one of the first, you know, kind of strings that God pulled into my life to draw me to Him. I mean, growing up as a, as a young man, not believing in God, you know, fully believing in kind of the existential evolutionary ideas that were being kind of permeated into our society that rightly just understood is, hey, nobody made anything and everything doesn't exist for anything. So anything you do is just an accident and it's pretty much pointless. I mean, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, that really kind of philosophy began to just permeate my world and crush it and crush everything about it to where I could only see emptiness. And thankfully, it's where God began to draw. Began to draw, it's like, no, there, there, there can be a purpose. I, I, I would have a purpose for you. And there is a space to draw. And that just interest in my mind began. It was only after that that I began to discover, well, the problem is I'm, I'm a sinner and desperately need grace. And, and I found all that to be incredibly true. But I love that God used this in my life. And so I seek to use it in yours. If this morning you recognize, I, I want my life to have meaning. I mean, I almost feel, you know, deep within me, something that would say, I, I long for a purpose. I long to, you know, find that my life is not just empty. I, I want to do something that has merit and, you know, maybe has value that would really be there. There's something implanted inside of us for that, but that can only be found in Christ. It is no found nowhere else. There's no other way to have that. And if you're outside of that this morning, we're pleading with you today to even allow that to draw you into Christ, into a place of, of needing Him. So we're just wanting to know that, inviting you into that relationship. Talk to us more about that if that's where you are, but again, just be invited in. Well, so that's what we need if you don't know Jesus, but if you do know Jesus, can I come back to it and say it one more time, this is true. That moment you believed, that moment you were born again, that you were created in Christ Jesus, one of the things that did is it made your life now able to be involved in the kingdom of God, that God would allow you to be there. You were created for good works. Really, really good news, really, really powerful for us to understand, but now let's add to that. So not only are we created in Christ Jesus for good works, he lets us know something about who we are. It says right now, this is who we are. Now, it's really important, and we'll talk more about this in a moment, this is a present tense reality. We're not talking now about what he did. We're not talking about what happened when we got saved. He says, right now, this is who you are. You are his workmanship. You are his workmanship. Wow. Well, let's unpack that phrase for a moment. So once more, this is a present reality. When we think about what's being laid out to here, what he's telling us is about what God is doing today. And I just want you to understand that's who we are. That right now, today, I can tell you, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is not something that he did 10 years ago in you. It's not just something we look back on and say, I'm so glad that happened before. No, it's where he says, no, this is what I'm seeking to do today. This is what I'm seeking to do today. This is who we are. This is where we are right now. This is what he's doing right now. This is what he's a part of. We are this. We are his workmanship. 
The idea of workmanship has the idea of an intensive personal project. Now, this is one of those Greek words that's maybe well known to some, so I'll just put it up there, that as we think about it, a, a poema, which is kind of the Greek word that's used here, and it's really where we get our word poem from, that may or may not be helpful, but the idea is it's a masterpiece, or it's a, it's a project, it's a personal, passionate project that he is intensively about. Why is that important to understand? Well, think about it this way. Sometimes, uh, some of us, not all of us, but many of us, we have side projects. You know what a side project is, right? Those are the things you start and never get around to finishing. I don't know about that. Here's what I know. If I could come over to your house and walk through your garage or look into your closets, I would probably find a few side projects. Things that you were like, you know, I started this and then it, got, it, was, it, was, it was harder than I thought. And one of these days when I have time, I'm going to get back to that. I, I don't know about you. I mean, I, I remember my, my dad had one of these old MGAs, and we started tearing it apart when I was like eight years old. And it was literally 30 years before that thing ever saw the light of day, you know, kind of deal. And I'm thinking sometimes that's how we view this. We can we begin to see things and it's like, well, you know that. And some of us feel like that's maybe who we are. Like, you know, I'm kind of one of God's side projects. You know, if he's not busy, you know, controlling the universe and dealing with Iran and China and all that stuff, maybe he'd get around to working on my life. But he says, no, you're not that. You're his poema. You're his personal project. He has taken you on as something that he's intensively concerned about and actively working on. That's the idea of him, us being his workmanship, that he looks at you this morning and says, I'm working on you. I, I've taken you on as a project. In fact, think about this. Think about just how faithful God is in this. We think about a well-known verse in Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 6, where it says, for he who has started a good work in us is faithful to complete it in, in, in Christ Jesus. In other words, he doesn't start it and then put us into the closet. Like, well, you know, you, you are a little bit harder than I thought you would be. You know, it's like, I just kind of, and yeah, sometimes that's where it's like, okay, just, he, you know, God used to try to work on my life, but I think he gave up. No, he has not. No, he has not. Because this is who we are today. You are God's project. You are the project that he's seeking to work on, shaping your life and molding that. Incredibly exciting, and yet in the midst of this, understand that part of what makes this so beautiful is that now becomes a real change from the inside out because the way that he's working is seeking to change us and transform us. Thus, this is one of the great keys of seeking to live out this reality. Now, so many verses that talk about all of this. I don't have time to go through all the verses, but let me take you to a couple other ones that will help us see this in maybe another way. One of the verses that we're going to look at, you know, half dozen times this morning in different ways is there in Philippians 2, where it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So he lets us know, hey, God's at work in you. You're his workmanship. He has taken you on as a project, and he is working in you. What is he doing? Well, one of the things he's doing is seeking to change your desires, change your will so that you want to do, you will to do that which God has for your life, that it would be something that he's seeking to draw in your life so that that would be how that begins to unfold for you. Now, this is really incredible. This is really incredible. And if you only got this out of this, again, it would be incredibly just life-giving because here's what I understand. 
I'm talking to somebody right now, and you're afraid. You're afraid of, of, of good works. You're afraid of doing what God has for your life because in the back of your mind, you have this understanding that God's going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. You know, kind of the, like, you know, if I say yes to God, he's going to make me be a missionary in Tanzania. I just, I mean, I know that. Now, you know what? He might. But if he is, you'll want it. There's a lot of other things that go into it. Yeah, you might be, you know your inadequacies. There's fears. There's those things. But there's no way that he would ever take you into a good work that he didn't give you the desire to do it, that he didn't create within you the hunger and the thirst so that that would be a part of that. In fact, think about that this way. In Romans 12, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Said simply, give yourself to God. You should surrender to God in his ways. If you'll do that, don't be conformed, Paul tells us, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed. It's a really great word that has the idea of don't be pressed from without. Don't be pressed into the mold would maybe even be a pretty good translation of that. And that's what the world seeks to do. The world seeks to conform you, change you make you into whatever is common or whatever people say you should be. That's how the world works, from this external molding, shaping pressure. God says, that's not the way I want to work. I want to work on the inside. I want to transform you by the way that you think. I want to, I want to renew your mind so that as, you, as you're being changed, you're being changed not because of the external pressure, but because of this internal transformation, that you're beginning to find yourself moving forward, longing for what he has. He says, if you'll do that, then you're going to become an example. You're going to become proof of that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow. This is really, really good, by the way. God's will in your life is good, acceptable, and perfect. But catch the way that this unpacks because it's a little bit surprising. Even though we could read it so clearly, some of us still read it this way. If I surrender my life to God and I let him change me on the inside out, then he's going to show me what he has for me and I'll be able to walk in it. Now, that may be partially true. I mean, there may be some aspects to it, but that's not what this just said. If you won't be conformed but transformed and, and you're being changed on the inside out, then you're in it. You're in it because you were changed. Because you changed on the inside, and now those changes on the inside, they just bring you into what God has for your life. That you're changed not because you're being asked on the outside, but because he's changing you on the inside. And now you're walking in those things that God has for your life. Because you're beginning to say, God, I want that. I want you to lead me in all that that would be. It's amazing. That is glorious. That's an incredible space where God would say, hey, this is what I'm seeking to do in your life. This is what I'm seeking to, to bring you into. And if you could just get that, it would just be life transforming. But by the way, I want to just remind you, he is doing that. I mean, this is not something that he's asking you. He's saying, you're my project. You're my personal project. And I've taken you on, and I'm seeking to do this in your life. Yes, well, there's an agreement to it. We'll come back to that more in a moment. But there is a place that right now we know what he's doing is he is trying to work this in your life. He is trying to change you on the inside out. 
Wow, that's glorious. That's exciting. That would bring us into so much because he's the faithful God that does it. Or in the words there in Philippians 2, he says it this way, for it is God who's at work in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I mean, this is what he and his great faithfulness is doing. We are this. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are that which God is seeking to lead us and work in that made for these things. Those good works that he is making us to be a part of, those good works that he's designed for us, not only is he seeking to you know, lead you in that, not only are you created for it, God has prepared these, God himself has prepared these before you ever get there so that you could begin to walk in these things. Wow. Okay, catch just the timeline of this for a moment because just seeing a little bit of the timeline will be helpful. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the moment you were saved, you were created for good works. You were designed that good works could be who you are. Today, you are, are one that God has taken on as a personal project. He is at work in you today to do that, but not just today, in the future. He's gone ahead of you to prepare good works so that you could walk in them. So there's a timeline here. It's like, I was made for it. He's working it. And in the future, in my course ahead of me, he has done this. He has done this whole thing. God himself has prepared that. So in one sense, yes, we're talking about opportunities. God made opportunities. That God says, I'll tell you what, not only am I going to want you to be led to do this, I'll actually make those opportunities for you. I'll go ahead of your course, go ahead of your path, and create these spaces so that you could walk in them. Now, incredible in the way of doing this, just understanding he's actually done it. He says, I've prepared them, both before you and for you, that he has already done this. In fact, again, just trying to emphasize the language of it. You were created in Christ for this. He is working in you, but now we're looking into the rest of the day, uh, what this week looks like, as much time as God gives us last, and he says, I've actually gone in, in front of you to prepare good works for you, but so certain has he done that that he puts it in the past tense, like I've already done it. I've already done it. It's not one of those things that God's like, well, maybe, you know, if I get around to it, I'll actually, and like, I've already, I, I already did it. I know what your life looks like. I know where you're going to be. I know what it is. And I have preceded you into your life and have made spaces that it, you could walk in those things, that they would be there for you. But this is incredible faithfulness. What would it look like if you just believed that? What would it look like if you believed that God was actually doing this in your life? I've sometimes thought about it like one of those uh, picture-seek-and-find things. I don't know if any of you did this with your kids or you do it perhaps even now. You kind of give them one of those seek-and-finds, and then you tell them, hey, there's five treasures in here. You know, there's five things that are out of order or whatever it is. And, you know, you got to go and look for those things. And there are the kids like, oh, I know they're in there somewhere. You know, it's, it's like I'm going to find it. You know, there's like treasure in this thing. Well, in a weird way, that would almost be the way it is for us. We'd be like, you know... If God has actually created spaces for me, I'd like to find them. I'd like, like, where are they? I mean, I want to see those things that 
he has made possible for me, that he is wanting me to do, you know, whether they be, you know, giving a cup of cold water in the name of Christ or, or you know, stepping into, you know, something massive and big. Either way, it's like I want to walk in what he has done. I mean, he is calling us to that. I think about that verse in Philippians that kind of talks about this in a, in a, in a way that I really, really enjoy. It says, for God, it is God who works in you both, and again, it's worth just noting both, to will and to do for his good pleasure. So God is doing something in you both to give you the desire and then to, to help you do it. Now, let me just pause and say this to do God's work is actually a really big reality. It covers several things. One of the things it certainly covers is that God would give us the power to do it. Um, that we think about what Jesus would talk about, like abiding in Christ. Unless we abide in him, we can't do anything. That's really, really good news. Um, we're not talking about that this morning. We're not, that's not the issue we're diving into. We're diving into just discovering, discovering what it is. And yet part of what this idea of doing is, is that as well. That he is both giving us the desire and the ability for us to actually see that desire come to fruition. He's creating spaces and opportunities so that it could actually happen. Like how miserable it would be if he only did one or the other. If he gave us the desire, but never the ability to see that come to, ha- to pass. It's like I have the desire to, and yet there's no opportunity for me to do it. There's no space for me to do it. That would be incredibly miserable. Or just giving me the opportunity, but I don't have any desire to do it. But he says, no, I'm going to do both. I'm going I'm to give you the desire to do it, and then I'm going to give you the ability to do it. I'm going to open up those doors for you so that, so that you could walk in them, so that you would be able to look at these, and that is exactly what God is doing. He is that faithful that he is this God that says that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Wow. That. All that really works into this moment that that, he says, all this would do that, that we should. Okay, pause. Walk around those two words with me for a moment and just look back over to everything we've seen. What I want you to understand is everything I've said so far that's in this verse is happening because God is that faithful. He never says he's doing something he's not doing. He is faithful to all his promises. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are made for good works. God is making you his project, and he's preparing good works for you. I just promise he is. There's not anybody that he's like, eh, never mind. You know, yeah, not you. I mean, that, that applies to other people, but I'm not thinking about you. No, he is that faithful. He is that good. And so if he says he's doing this and you're a follower of Jesus, then he is. If he says he's got this for you, then he is. And, and he is that faithful to do that. But now we get these words that we should. And the honesty of these words, and I love the scripture, how honest it is, lets us know that Herein lies the problem. Herein keeps the thing where, where it won't happen because should and actually happening don't always happen. Uh, sometimes, like, well, you know, you should have done, like, you could have, like, you should have. It's possible in Christ to miss those opportunities, to miss the things that God's doing for us. We have that space of being able to, to walk in there, and that's a little bit of the, of the concern. 
It's like we, if, if God is faithfully doing it, then, then we should be responding, and we should seek to walk in everything that God puts out for us, that if we believe these things, we should seek to do that. So let's kind of process that for a moment. How would we do that? I mean, like, how would this work in your life if you were to take this verse and say, okay, I believe it. I, I, I know that God is saying this. What would this look like? Well, honestly, it would begin with believing it. It would begin in saying, okay, I'm going to believe that this is true. I'm going to believe that God has made me for good, that, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Again, because for some of you, you've believed a lie. You've believed a lie that either God is done with you, or you're unimportant, or there's no purpose for your life, and you really have believed that you're just a spectator till you go to heaven. You know, that really it's just, you know, you're saved, and now just waiting until he comes back. Instead of recognizing, no, no. His intention is that for all of us to walk in the things that he has for us, and if you just believed that, all by itself. I think it would begin you down a road that would be a good one. If you just believe that your life does have, it's meant to have purpose. It's meant to be about eternal things. You're meant to be about good works. If you believe that, that would be a good start, that you would believe that God has good works for you, that he has a place and he has things that he has prepared for you to do, that you would believe even that into your life. Well, if you begin with that, then it's going to tell you, I want to tell you, the second thing you would do is to surrender into it. Where is workmanship? He's told us he's doing that. I mean, he says, okay, he has made us in Christ Jesus, and now we are his one that he has taken on as a project. But I want to tell you, he's faithful. But there still is that part that we are surrendering to it that we're allowing it to happen. I like the way it talks about it in the Old Testament. It would often use this picture that God is the potter. And we're the clay. And he's like, let me, let me shape you. <laughs> like, like, quit being so, and, and he'd like, quit being difficult. Like, quit being stubborn. Like, let me just mold you into what I have for you. Like, surrender into that space. And if we believed that, well, then that would draw us into that. That we would be saying, okay, if this is something God's going to do, well, then we'd say, okay, God, change me. Change me from the inside out. Cause me to be that one who seeks to walk in that. So a few moments ago, I gave you that verse there in Romans where it tells us, you know, not to be conformed to this world, but again, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, be changed from the inside out. He says, if you'll do that, you're going to be proving that which is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. He says, okay, this is what you're wanting to do. Okay, you want to be this person who is being changed by God and he is doing that work. Well, to that end, let me back you up one verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. There's a bunch of really cool stuff in there, but for simplicity's sake, one more time, he is just saying, I'm pleading with you, give yourself to God. I mean, surrender your life to God. In fact, in Romans, this is a powerful reality. Chapter 12 is this transition that looks back on all that God has done for us, the incredible greatness of our salvation, that everything we are is, is what Christ has done. And now he says, because you are this, now give him. Give him your life. Like, say, okay, God, here. Like, you, like, change, you know, like, work in this. Surrender into him. Surrender into what his space would look like. Now, I personally... 
absolutely love this. Um, I love that this is what God's wanting to do. It is one of those things that I am constantly seeking to try to kind of walk in that. Because, see, here's how it works in my life. Now, I recognize for, for, for many of you, like, man, this is not me. I don't, I, don't, I don't struggle with the stuff you struggle with, Jim. So you can just kind of own this, that this is just my problem. I say unjust. Um, but, it, you know, it's, here's part of the problem. Sometimes when I'm trying to figure out things that God has for me, there are other things that become kind of weird motivations. Uh, sometimes I do this really dumb thing that Paul tells us is done in Corinthians. I compare myself to other people. You probably don't ever do that, probably don't do anything like that, but uh, Paul says those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Like, it's a dumb thing to do, but sometimes I can do that. I can look at other people, and it's like, well, look at, look at what they're doing. Maybe I should do what they're doing, you know, and it's like, God, why can't you do in me what they've done? Like, I, I, want, to, like, I want to be like that, and, and, and sometimes those pressures seek to conform me. Other times, people give me advice, like, you know, Jim, have you ever thought about doing this? Or, you know, you know if you're a really good pastor, you do this. That's not the way they say it. That's just what it works in my brain. Um, and, you know, it just kind of that way, it kind of unpacks in the whole space there. And here's the weird things. When those things happen in my brain, it can go really, really weird. But one of the things I've learned to do is to bring those things before God. And, and I can honestly tell you, I'm not afraid of God, but I, I, I want him to change me from the inside out. And so what I am able to do is like, God, I'm looking at these things. If you want me to do that, work it in me. Give me the desire to do it. Give me the desire so it flows, not because I'm being pressured from the outside, but I'm wanting to do it from the inside. Cause me to walk in the beauty of Christ, this transformation that is yours. I absolutely love that. I love that it's God's way. I love that he's not looking for uh, things that just look good on the outside, that he's not seeking to build hypocrites that look good on the outside and that are not there on the inside. He's like, no, I want to change you from the inside out. I love this. So it's a constant prayer of mine. Like, God, do that in me. Like, I want to do what you want me to do. I just need you to actually make it real. And I seek to surrender into that all the time. And I just want to tell you, it's a good space to be. If you're wanting what he has for you, you're never going to get to it any other way. You're, the only way to get there is to say, hey, God, change my mind. Change the way my mind thinks. Renew my th thinking. Renew the way that I think. Transform the, the understandings that are there so that I am now wanting to will to do those things that you long for me to do. So surrender into that. And then thirdly, look for opportunities. So believe that he's made it, surrender into it, and then look for opportunities because he has told you he's done it. He's told you he's done it, so you should be looking for what that looks like. You should be gazing ahead and thinking, okay, so God has actually gone ahead of my course, and he still has things for my life. By the way, bonus thought. You know, I don't know how many of you guys are reading with us in the Psalms today. I, I like the way it unpacked it there in Psalm 92 and uh, in, in the midst of the whole thing, he, he talks about everything, and he says, okay, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, like they're still living in God's presence, they'll be, they'll be flourishing, and he says, you can bear fruit even until your old age, and I don't know if that draws anybody else like it does me. It's like, I just like that, that he, he still has a purpose for my life all the way through my life, that there's still a space that my life can be doing something in the kingdom of God to the end of my life, well, then there ought to be a place that I'm looking for it. There ought to be a place that I'm looking for it. Again, if you're reading with us in the Psalms on Friday, you read in Psalm 90, let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. 
Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's a really great prayer. I mean, in the midst of Psalm 90, there's this beautiful picture of, of dwelling in God's presence, that he's everything we are. He says, Lord, help us to see it. Help us to see what you have for us to do and then establish it, like help us to do it. I mean, it's a really, really good prayer. And there is this place where we ought to be those who's like, Lord, help me to see it. Help me to see those things that you have in store for me. Now, I believe just having that desire all by itself would be helpful. Having that expectation uh, that you could give at any given day. Like, what if there's something? If there's somebody I should pray for, if there's somebody I should talk to, uh, I'm here. Like, create an opportunity for me, and and I want to walk in it. I mean, if you just had that desire and expectation, I think it would help. But being able to look into that and, and find those things is meant to be a key part of our lives. Now, I think about this for me as a pastor, and I think about how I'm called to help you in that regard. One of the verses that really challenged me and just speaking to my life as a pastor is there in Ephesians 4 where it says he gave some and talks about others, all of kind of leadership in the church, but I'm just going to highlight pastors and teachers. It says he gave pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to edify them, build them up, teach them. That's partly what I'm supposed to do. He says, if I do that, it will you know, get to the place where he goes on in those verses. It will keep you away from false doctrine. You'll become more Christ-like. You'll grow up into his ways. It's really, really good news. But he says, I also want you to help them figure out who they are. I want you to equip the saints for ministry. I want you to encourage them in their purpose. And he goes on in this beautiful picture there in Ephesians 4 and says, so that eventually if it could work right, every part would be doing its part and the whole body would be loving itself and edifying itself in love. It's a really, really beautiful picture. But I recognize I have a part of that, that part of my calling is both to pray for that, uh, teach that, which I'm seeking to do right now, but in other ways, encourage it, which we seek to do in a number of different ways, and we're constantly seeking to, to do that. But all that to say, it's one of the reasons that it has caused us to kind of print up a little booklet. So this morning, I told you that there's this little booklet there in your, in your bulletin. You can pull it out if you want to. We're not going to cover all of it right now, but I just want to point out to you, hey, that's what this was. And, and one of the things that's been on my mind is just thinking, I just wanted to put opportunities before you. I believe that God is creating opportunities, and yet we thought that we'd do our best to kind of present that. So what is this booklet? Well, let me tell you four things about it. First of all, we recognize God's work is bigger than this. We recognize that if you're you know, walking in what God has for you, some of those good works, much of it perhaps, would not be in the walls of this church. It would be in other spaces, and I just want to communicate as clear as I can. That is not a problem. We love that. We want to be the light of God in this community. We want to be the light of God in this world. We want you to serve God wherever that is, and it doesn't have to happen uh, within the walls of this building. It doesn't have to happen in this organization. It's the body of Christ, and so understand that serving God is bigger than that. That said, if this is your church, you might be thinking, well, like, I wonder how I could serve here. I mean, I wonder if there are any needs. So we did a couple of things in this booklet. One of them is we just went through enlisted ministries that have needs. Uh, that places where there are opportunities for you to serve now, that there are ministries that maybe you knew of, maybe you didn't, and maybe you would just read over this and you go, nope, none of those those connect, nope, nope, there's nothing in there, but maybe it would be like you'd go, I'm made for that. Like, I want to do that, now I know there's an opportunity. You know, put these two things together, that would be amazing. Add to that, if you'll turn the page, we thought we'd even just list things we're praying for. 
ministries that don't exist yet in our church that we're just thinking, hey, God, if you would love to do this, we'd love to do this. I thought it would just be helpful again because maybe somebody's going to read through this and go, that's me. I want to do that. That's so cool that they're wanting to do what God has been putting on my heart. So we sought to write that out for that purpose, to give you a place where to put opportunities before you. But in the last page, I explained what I want to quite try to say to you right here. Maybe it has nothing to do with that. I mean, I'm pretty just confident that God has things that I've never even thought about. And I want to tell you something about the way that we try to do church. We don't do it perfectly, but at least help you to understand. We don't believe it's our job to create ministries and then fill them. We are content not to have ministries that God has not placed people in those spaces. So one of the ways that it works for us is that we're looking for what God would show you. And, and, and maybe you'd read through this list and you go, hey, that's me. Or maybe you read through it and you're like, none of them. I mean, like, none, there is no resonation. There is no like, hey, I don't feel any of those things. But you still feel it stirring. You feel like God has something for me. And I haven't figured out what that is. We just want to tell you we're really, really interested. And maybe you would start a ministry that we've not even thought about that we would be able to get behind as a church. Maybe you're driving through our community and you pass by, you know, one of the retirement homes. And you, every time you pass by, you're just like, man, it's just my heart, my heart, like every time. Well, then maybe you should go talk to them and say, hey, what are the opportunities? What could I do? What could we do as a church? And then you come and talk to us and pretty soon we have a nursing home ministry to that nursing home because God led you to do it. Or maybe you go downtown and you see all this, the, the license plates from other cities and you're like, man, we should be evangelizing them. I mean, I have this heart to open up a shop down there or do something down there or just go down there and pass out tracks. And we'd be like, you should do that. We'll get behind you. You know, that'd be amazing. Or, you know, there's a, I could go on. There's a hundred, there's a thousand things that we could do. And what we want is what God wants. We want the good works that he has prepared us to do. And we just want you to be looking for that. We just want you to be able to have that expectation that you would be able to say, I know he's made me for good. I'm going to surrender to it. I'm going to look for those opportunities. That you would become that person that does that. That would be amazing. So uh, once more, that was the point of this little booklet. If it's helpful, we're kind of aware that it's a really small thing. And if it doesn't help anybody, that's fine. If it helps somebody, great. If it does, maybe we'll try to keep it uh, renewed about once a quarter or something like that, just to keep you aware of needs there. But again, we are so much more confident in God that he would lead you into those things you'd have for him if you'd believe him. If you'd believe in his faithfulness, that he made you for it, you'd surrender to it, you'd look for it, we believe that he would show them to you. And so that gives us just that exhortation. Hey, you should walk in them. You should do that. You should do those things that God puts before you. You should walk in all of those, kind of that Nike idea, just do it. Like, don't just think about it. Don't just sit here, but say, okay, God, I'm, I'm interested in doing what you have for my life. Be the person that does that. So one of the verses that I've held out to you, which is again, one of my favorites in this regard, Philippians 2.13, says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Absolutely love that. Love God's faithfulness. I love that he does this. But it's not the whole verse, or it's not the whole sentence. Right before this, leading into this verse, it prefaces it this way work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See, if you hear me wrongly, it's kind of like let go and let God, you know, I'm just going to wait till God drops something on my lap. I'm going to just, you know, you know, and, and that's not what Paul is saying. He says, you should, you should work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The idea of fear and trembling is, is the idea that you should seek to do this with a fear of missing it, 
with, with the consciousness, it's like, I don't want to miss what God has for my life. I, I, I'm aware that I could miss opportunities that God puts into my life and probably have. That fear and trembling is that kind of reality where you would be that person that says, I'm, I really want that. Like, I really want that, and I'm passionate about it. We just want to stir that up, that you would be that person that has that, that seeks to walk in that. All right, one last verse, and then we'll kind of close here. So this week we were reading in Mark 14, some of you are reading with us, and it's Jesus talking there of the uh, Mary who came and anointed his feet with oil. And Jesus defends her, and he says, she has done a good work for me. She has done what she could. And I love this evaluation from Jesus. She did it for me. She did a good work. That's what we're talking about today, good works. She did a good work. This is going to last for all eternity. This is a reward. This is something that's there. She did it for me, Jesus says. But the phrase that I liked so much that I want to just hold out to you is that Jesus says she did what she could. She did what she could. And I found myself thinking, what an incredibly gracious and accurate way to say it. For somebody here this morning, the thing that keeps you back from serving God is because of what you can't do. What you can't do. You're like, well, you know, I I can't do all those other things that people can do. I'm not a great speaker or you know, I'm not young like I once was. Uh, I'm not able to go over to Indonesia. Uh, there's a, because there's so many things I can't do, I should just do nothing. And I love that what Jesus said about her. She did what she could. She did what was in her power and purview to do. She did that. And I love that God is seeking to do that in our lives, that he is inviting you and I into a space that we would say, yeah, I just want to do what you would have for me, what I can. I mean, what you would put before me, and it's incredibly real. So I leave this with you this morning and just say, I love this reality. And today, if you would hear it, I, I would love that these things would permeate your lives where you would believe it. God has made you for it. You would surrender to Jesus' work in your life, and you'd begin looking. You'd begin watching, like, God, what does that look like? Again, it might be something as simple as a cup of cold water in Jesus' name that Jesus says, hey, that's going to have eternal merit. I'm going to reward that. It'd be spaces where you said, God, I, wanna, I don't want to miss anything you have for me. And they should walk in it. Just to be that person that would do it, because we are made for that. So let's finish there. If you have a Bible open, you can close it. Notebook you have open, you can close it. Let's just take a moment to seek to surrender into this. Seek to surrender into all this is this. So let me read the verse one last time, and then I'm going to give you a moment to pray. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Would you take a moment and talk to him about that? Surrender into that, wherever that has met you. You take a quiet moment to pray. I'll do the same. And then we're going to close in worship in just a moment.
God, in many ways, one of the